This is Common Sense Man, where I try to make sense of common things. Using the good, the true, and the beautiful, I talk about parenting, teaching, and the issues of the day. Today's topic is, there's no such thing as a non-religious school. Now, in order to understand how this could be, we need first to ask, what is religion? What some people mean by this word is simply belief in God. If you believe in God, the thinking goes, or are a member of an organized religion like Christianity, Judaism, Islam, Buddhism, well, then you're religious. And if you don't believe in God, you're not religious. Now, if you want to insist on that definition of religion, you're welcome to, but it doesn't really work when we're trying to understand why people want religion out of public schools. When we say that public schools should have no religion, we don't mean they should be atheist schools. We don't say, we all know and agree that God doesn't exist, and that's what we want the schools to teach our kids. Rather, when we say we want public schools to have no religion, we seem to mean something more like this. A religion is a notion of the good, in particular of the highest good, what's most important. A little maxim I like to use is, you can tell a man's religion by what he takes seriously. Now, the idea behind the institution of a public school is this. We can't all agree on what the highest good is, on the purpose of the universe, and so on. We can't all agree on whether there is a God. And even those of us who do believe in God don't all agree on what he's like, what he wants, and when and how he's revealed himself to man. Since we can't all agree on these things, and we have to live together, we can't enshrine some particular notion of the good in our schools, so the thinking goes. It's religion under this definition that we want our schools to be neutral on. We don't want them to push any ideology, any contestable idea of what the highest good is. Now, as laudable as that goal might sound, the problem is that it's impossible. I want to really emphasize this. I am not saying that schools should try to be neutral and have failed because we haven't run things right. What I'm saying is that the neutrality being sought here isn't even possible in principle. To understand how this can be, we need to think about how decisions work. Every decision that any person or organization ever makes is based on a hierarchy of goods, a list of good things in order of what's more important and what's less important. And this is true for trivial decisions as well as big ones. Let's take a trivial example to start. Suppose I am deciding between eating a donut for breakfast or a grapefruit. The decision I make is based, in essence, on two competing goods. First, my health, and second, the pleasure I'll get from my meal. If I think my health is more important than pleasure, I'll probably go for the grapefruit. But if I think enjoying my breakfast is more important than it being healthy, I'll choose the donut. The same process can be observed in more important decisions. Let's say I'm taking a very important exam, and I see a way to cheat on it without getting caught. The decision I make here will depend on where, first, honesty, and second, getting good grades, lie on my hierarchy of goods. If I think honesty is more important than getting good grades, I won't cheat, even if that means I get a lower grade. On the other hand, if I think that getting a good grade matters even more than honesty, I'm very likely to cheat, 
if I think I won't get caught. As a side note, the hierarchy of goods is an important concept to understand because when people nowadays try to describe how their political opponents think, they very frequently say things like this. Well, I value freedom and my opponents don't. Or I value the environment and my opponents don't. Or I care about the poor and my opponents don't. But this is very rarely the case. Nearly all humans value just about everything good to at least some extent. What really matters is where you place those goods in your hierarchy, which things are more important than others. Taking this point back to education, schools also need to make decisions, just as individuals do. And when they make them, they also necessarily employ a hierarchy of goods. To make any decisions at all, even a decision as simple as what subjects to teach and how much time to give to each of them, a school needs to have answers to these questions. Why do schools exist? What is the purpose of education? Why should children go to school? What subjects are more important than others? The answers to those questions will form the school's hierarchy of goods. Now, there are a lot of good answers to these questions, but there are no neutral answers, and there's also no avoiding them. If I'm deciding as a principal whether math and art should get the same number of class periods per week, or if one should have more class time than the other, my hierarchy of goods is necessarily going to include some fairly philosophical values. But I think there's one issue that makes it the most clear that neutrality is impossible, and that's transgenderism. Let's say there's a public school with a student, Jimmy who's been going there for five years. One day, Jimmy comes to school wearing a dress, and he says he wants to be called Jenny because he's a girl. He also wants to use the girl's bathroom, since he is a girl, and he wants to be treated as a girl and referred to as a she. Should Jimmy get what he wants? This is a very hot topic today. Everyone listening right now has, I suspect, very strong opinions on what the school should do in this situation. But here's what's key. None of us would characterize our answer as the neutral answer. You might call your position the correct position. You might say that the other guy's position is insane or intolerant, depending on where you stand. But no one claims to hold the neutral ground on this issue. Indeed, there isn't even a neutral way to describe this problem. I have to decide to call the student Jimmy or Jenny and to say he or she. Neutrality isn't just impossible when responding to the situation. You can't even neutrally describe the situation. Now, the school has to decide whether to treat the student as Jimmy or Jenny. They have to decide, should he be allowed to use the girls' room? Should students be punished if they treat him as a boy? The way the school answers these questions will depend on some pretty religious-sounding questions like, what is a man? What is a woman? What is a human being? What does it mean to be a boy or a girl? What I hope I've made clear by now are two main points. First, that religion is a notion of the highest good, what's most important. We come back to that maxim, you can tell a man's religion by what he takes seriously, what he sees as non-negotiable, what he refuses to compromise on. 
The second point is that though public schools try to operate without a religion, they can't help but have one. If it's not explicitly identified as a religion, whatever the school calls neutrality, well, dig inside of that and you'll find a religion. Now, at this point, some listeners may want to push back. I imagine that many of you are thinking something like this. I can believe that the religion of a lot of public schools now is wokeism or critical race theory, but the craziness is something that's happened recently. Schools did not do things like this 50 or 60 years ago. They seemed then to do pretty well at being non-religious and just teaching in a neutral way. Yet Common Sense Man is saying that it's never been possible for there to be a non-religious school. That doesn't seem right. What was the supposed religion of all of these schools before they went woke? My answer is as follows. First, in those decades, we weren't as divided politically as we are now. So it was possible for a school to adopt a religion that seemed neutral if you didn't think too much about it. Generally, the public school religion in those days could be called worldly success. What happens when a school tries to be neutral is that it in fact operates on religious principles, but it calls those principles common sense or doing what's obvious. The principles are there, but invisible. To make clear how this happens, consider what it is we're trying to do with public schools. We are in essence saying, we can't agree on what truth is, so schools should just teach the facts, which is to say they should teach truth. But the entire problem is that we can't all agree on what's true. Schools can try to avoid the problem by just sticking to the truths everyone agrees on. That's generally what public schools have tried to do. But what are the truths that everyone agrees on? And more to the point, who's everyone? Take something like the fact that the earth is round. No school is neutral on this question. They teach that it's round. And rightly so, it is round. But it's not actually true that everyone agrees on this point. Some people think the world is flat. The only reason the statement the earth is round sounds neutral is because we exclude those flat earthers from everybody. We say they don't count, they're nuts. As another example, take something like racism. No school is neutral on this point. They won't tolerate students mistreating each other on the basis of race. Nor should they. I want to very much emphasize that. If your child thinks that a certain race of human beings is subhuman and chooses to treat those human beings that way, the school is not going to take a neutral stand on the issue. But of course, it's not true that literally everyone agrees that racism is wrong. Indeed, decades before, it was a very live issue. It's, again, the same move. Being against racism only seems neutral if you exclude the people who actively support racism from your concept of everybody. It works if you say their views are unreasonable, fringe, crazy, and don't matter. I want to emphasize again, it's a good thing that schools aren't neutral on the Earth's roundness or on whether certain races are human beings. My point is this. We can call these true positions, but we can't call them neutral positions. 
they only seem neutral when we're not divided on them as a society. Which brings us back to the Drag Queen Story Hour. When you listen carefully to how people on both sides of the debate as to whether schools should take their children to the Drag Queen Story Hour, listen to how they talk about their opponents, you basically see the same thought pattern. On the left, we hear that the people who deny that trans women are women are pretty much in the same category as people who deny that black people are human. On the right, they say that people who say that drag queens are women are adherents of a radical, reality-denying fringe ideology, almost akin to flat earthers. Both sides are equally sure that it's totally obvious that a neutral, non-religious school should side with them. But the real problem is that there is no neutrality to be had on this or any decision a school makes. Now I'd like to talk about some practical applications of this. If you're a parent, you need to make decisions about your children's school. Do I send them to a public school, a private school, a Catholic school, a non-denominational Christian school? Do I homeschool? I'm not saying you must send your child to a school whose religion matches yours or you're being a bad parent. But I will say that you need to not fool yourself. It isn't a question of whether the school is religious, but what the religion is. As a parent, you should know what the school's religion is, and if your child is old enough to understand, they should know too. At many schools, worldly success is the school religion. You need to work hard because you need these skills in order to get a good, high-paying job. If you don't work hard in school, you're not going to get good grades. If you don't get good grades, you're not going to go to a good college. And if you don't go to a good college, you're not going to get a good job. I suspect this is what most listeners were told by their teachers when they asked this question, even in Catholic schools. Worldly success was and is a very common school religion. And as an aside, that's had some consequences. It explains why art, music, and physical education are consistently treated as joke subjects. Because, with the exception of those students who are the absolute top talents in these areas, art, music, and athletics don't consistently lead to financial success. But math and English do. Is it any surprise, then, that one of the most common complaints about modern society is its lack of beauty? Do we not often look to the past and say, wow, they so outdid us in producing beautiful art, beautiful architecture, music, beauty? Why is the modern world producing high-rises, large box-shaped buildings, and there's so little beauty of any kind? School religion has its consequences. If you're considering a Catholic school, you should know as a parent that it's not a given that Catholicism is the school's true religion. It is true that Catholic schools are in a different boat from public schools. No one expects them to be religiously neutral. Tenets of Catholicism will appear in the school's mission statement. But a school's true religion is what it takes seriously. I'll demonstrate this with a personal example. I worked for years as a substitute teacher at a particular Catholic school. This school had accepted a student who had two moms. 
I imagine that there was a conversation with that family about the fact that it's a Catholic school, they might not agree with everything their daughter is being taught, and so on. Now, after accepting this student, the staff were concerned about upsetting her. So, there was an official but unwritten policy not to teach Catholic doctrine on sexuality at that school at all. Consider the hierarchy of goods in this decision. Not hurting the student's feelings was taken extremely seriously. The actual tenets of Catholicism, on the other hand, of only relative importance. Catholic may have been on the school's title. You may have seen it on the sign as you walked through the door, but it was not the school's true religion. You can tell a man's religion by what he takes seriously. I've tried to make clear today three things. First, religion is a notion of the highest good. Second, every school has a religion even if it thinks it doesn't. And third, every parent should know what religion is being taught to their child. Thank you for listening to Common Sense Man, and I hope you'll join us next week when our topic will be There's No Such Thing as a Non-Religious State.